Galatians chapter 3 is a chapter that contrasts the law of faith and the law of Moses. In our lesson today, I want us to look at some key verses from that third chapter of Galatians to illustrate some very important, absolutely crucial principles about faith. Faith is such an important theme in the Bible, but we must understand what the Bible teaches about faith. In Galatians chapter 3, for example, the Apostle Paul does not contrast, quote, faith only, unquote, with the law of Moses. But the contrast is between obedient faith and the law of Moses. The system of faith at times, Christianity and the law of Moses, and the system of faith, Christianity, involves obedient faith. Notice Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6. This is a launching point for our study this morning. The passage reads, Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Listen to it again. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Paul uses Abraham's faith as an illustration of the kind of faith that he was advocating by inspiration in the Galatian letter. And we shall see that it was certainly not faith only. Abraham's obedient faith was the basis upon which God reckoned him to be righteous. Now, there are those who contend that Abraham was justified without the law of Moses because he was justified by faith before the law of Moses. And they also contend that Abraham was justified without circumcision because that came long after God's justification of Abraham. And so he couldn't have been justified by circumcision or by the law of Moses. And so some contend it must have been by faith alone. Obe not obedient faith, but faith only. Well, let's examine this morning together in a very simple study but very crucial study, some of the characteristics of Abraham's faith using a particular incident about which we read in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 beginning, and reading through verse 14. And this is the incident concerning the offering of Isaac. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the word of the, of the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here, I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb 
for a burnt offering. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Oh, how much we learned about Abraham's faith in the incident of which we have just read. We learn, first of all, that it was obviously a sacrificial faith. Willing to give his all. Willing to give his only son. Back at verse 2. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac. He was willing to do that. And as we think about that, we... We ask, what if God had allowed him to go through with that? What if God had allowed him to go through with sacrificing, taking the life of his only son? Horrible, we say. Horrible. Think about this. God did go through with it. God went through with it. And God gave his only begotten son on the cross of Calvary. For you and for me. That we might respond to that sacrifice lovingly and completely, obediently, with the sacrificial faith of our own. Remember what Paul pleaded with the Roman Christians to do. I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which, you're reasonable, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Is your faith a sacrificial faith? If it is the faith of Abraham, it must be. His indeed was. But his was also an obedient faith. I, I want you to look back at verse 3. After he had received the instruction, does verse 3 say that he thought about this and wondered why in the world God would be asking him to do this thing? And so three days later, after he had mulled it over in his mind, he finally decided he would go. No, the text says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. He did not delay. Regardless of what might have been going through his mind, he understood the, the commandment was from God, and he rose early in the morning. The Hebrews writer comments by inspiration. 
on this incident when he writes in Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham was not justified until he exhibited obedient faith. He left the land of Ur of the Chaldees, as the Hebrews writer says, by faith, and his faith was still intact at the time that he heard the commandment of God to offer his only son, Isaac. And James says this about it, as he asks this question rhetorically. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? James asked, was he not justified by obedient faith in effect? In other words, was he not justified by a faith coupled with his works? And that's obedient faith. And as we said, the question is rhetorical. He's proving his point in that great treatise on faith in James 2, beginning at verse 14 and going through verse 26. Oh yes, Abraham's faith was a sacrificial faith. And Abraham's faith was an obedient faith. But thirdly, his faith was also an expectant faith. What do we mean by the fact that it was an expectant faith? Faith. Well, no, notice verse 5 again. And incidentally, this is the verse in which we find the word worship used for the first time anywhere in Scripture in Genesis 22.5. It's not the first worship experience. That takes us back to Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel. But it's the first time we find the word worship anywhere in the Bible. And the text again says, Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And notice this. And... I will come back to you after I have killed my son. No, we will come back to you. That's significant, isn't it? That shows or reveals to us that Abraham's faith was an expectant faith. He was going to do what God said, but he expected the lad to return with him. Where did we get any insight into what Abraham was thinking when he uttered those words? We get it from Hebrews 11. 17 through 19, listen to it. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. In other words, he had heard, In Isaac your seed shall be called, now you're being told to kill him. So Abraham's expectant faith was what? Well, we finish reading. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. Here it is. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense, the verse says. He was as good as dead because Abraham was going to do it. And God, figuratively as it were, raised him from the dead by delivering him from death. Abraham's faith expected God to bring Isaac back with him from that mount. Abraham knew God could raise Isaac from the dead. Our faith must be an expectant faith, as was Abraham's. But obviously, as we've already alluded to, it was a working faith. Genesis 22, 6 says he took the wood, he followed through, he made all the preparation that was required 
to carry out God's commandment. And remember James 2.21, which we noted just a moment ago. The question from James, was not Abraham justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? And Abraham also exhibited the assurance of faith. The assurance of faith. Look at verse 8 of Genesis 22. Abraham said, after Isaac said, where's the sacrifice, Father? We've got everything else, but what about the lamb for a burnt offering? Where is the lamb? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for him, self, the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Abraham knew that God knew best and that he would provide according to his will. The assurance of faith is very important. The assurance of faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1, the New King James says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the assurance of things not seen. Abraham's response in verse 8 was in response to that question to verse 7. And it provides for us a very important principle as we journey through life. And that is that along the road of obedience, questions arise that only faith can answer. And our faith must be strong enough and we must have that assurance of faith to the extent that when those things arise, Faith answers. Faith answers with the same kind of assurance that God gave his son Isaac when he said, God will provide. God will take care of it. God has the whole picture. God sees it all. God knows it all. And if we serve God lovingly and faithfully, God will provide. And our faith must provide the answer along the road of obedience as we live the Christian life. But beyond this, Abraham's faith was also a persistent faith. Look at verse 9 again of Genesis 22. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac his son. He laid him on the altar upon the wood. Again, he carried through. Persisting to the very end, persisting to the very point of raising the knife and being fully prepared to bring it down into the body of his only son and to take his life. There's an incident that took place on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus asked his disciples... It's recorded for us in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 40, where Jesus asked his disciples why they were fearful. Listen to the words. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. 
But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Reminds us of that hymn, Carest thou not that we perish? How canst thou lie asleep? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, verse 40, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? Faith that fails in the hour of trial is not a strong faith. And we must have that strong faith in the hour of trial of trial. And as the water fills our boat, so to speak, because of various challenges and sorrows and losses and other trials and tribulations that come our way, as that water fills the boat and we feel as though it is sinking, let us never forget the Lord is still in the stern of that boat. The Lord is still there with us. Revelation 2.10 tells us we must be faithful even in death and trust God and Christ throughout. But finally, Abraham enjoyed, because of these other aspects of his faith, these other wonderful qualities and characteristics of his faith, he finally enjoyed the victory of faith. Notice Genesis 22, verse 12. The angel of the Lord, verse 11, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. In verse 12 he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. By such a statement, God implied clearly that until that time, the issue of Abraham's faith had not been fully settled. Oh yes, Genesis 15, 6 says, He believed God and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Up to that point, yes, he was doing okay, so to speak. But the ultimate test came here in this incident. And it was only when he raised that knife and God knew and saw that he was fully prepared to bring it down and take the life of his son, was God able to say to him, Now I know. And it provides for us very simply but very beautifully and poignantly an illustration of the kind of faith that pleases God, the only kind that does and the only kind of faith that will result in victory. And it clearly demonstrates the absolute absurdity, the absolute absurdity of faith only, and the contention that one can be saved by faith alone. Reminds me of what James wrote in James 2.24 after his great treatise on faith when he said, You see then... You see then how that a man is justified by works and not by faith only? And I have said it before, oh, James, I wish we did. But we still live in a world that 
for the most part, does not see it. Does not see it. And does not practice it. A divinely imposed test today, as this was a test of Abraham's faith, a divinely imposed test of every man's faith today is seen in the statement of Jesus in Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And he who believes but will not be baptized and says, I am saved by faith alone, is not demonstrating the only kind of faith that leads to victory. The only kind of faith that leads to salvation from sin. The only kind of faith that throughout life must be demonstrated in order to ultimately lead to salvation eternally in heaven. John writes in 1 John 5, 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. But it is the faith that obeys that ultimately will allow God to say, Now I know. And for God to say to you, as it were, through his word, Now I know. Now I know that you fear God. You must believe in a way that leads you to repent of your sins and confess Jesus as the Christ and then to be buried in baptism for the remission of sins. And just as Abraham raised the knife and was fully prepared to plunge it into the body of his son, which caused God to say, Now I know it is only when you're willing to go down into that watery grave of baptism buried in water, cleansed by the blood of Christ that is applied there. It is only after you have done that and have risen in newness of life that God will say, as it were, through his word, now I know that you fear me. And that assurance will never come by faith alone, but only by the faith of Abraham, who was called the father of the faithful and the friend of God. Why? because he demonstrated the kind of faith about which we have spoken this morning. What about your faith? If you have not expressed that faith in repenting of your sins, Luke 13, 3, repent or perish, Jesus said. If you have not demonstrated that faith by confessing Jesus to be the Christ, as Jesus said, whoever will confess me before men, I'll confess before the Father in heaven, Matthew 10, 32. If you have not demonstrated that faith by being buried in baptism, as Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Then you have not demonstrated the faith that saves, the faith that pleases God. And we plead with you to do that. So that God, through his word, can in effect say to you, Now I know that you fear me. And you can leave here justified as a child of God. And if you need to come home to your first love, having done those things in the past, but knowing that your life does not reflect a life of faith as it should, and you need to come back to the faith which you've abandoned, upon which you've brought shame, back to the church you once loved dearly, 
and serve faithfully. And the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, come home in repentance. Confession of any sin that needs to be confessed in a public way, that we might have opportunity to pray with you and for you, so that you may again once hear those words as it were through his word. Now I know that you've come home to me. As we stand to sing, will you come?